you start to realize that, wow, you know what? I can do so many different things. And it's not tied to the promotion. It's not tied to the role. It's not tied to the salary increase, right? Because you actually gain more control over your life. There's a difference between a dream chaser and a dream catcher. Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Catchers Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. I've got the pleasure of having Billy Kills with me today. Billy, how are things in Barcelona, Spain? They're a lot better. Now that uh, I'm speaking to Mr. Myers, they're fantastic. So, uh, yeah, man, <laughs> we're good. We, we're, we're hopping across the pond and getting the guy from Ohio to come in and share this amazing story. Guys, you want to buckle up these seatbelts. It's going to be a wild ride. We're going to go through this red pill framework, and Billy's going to show you how he's exited the matrix. And it's not the traditional matrix where the person left corporate America. If you look at Billy's profile on LinkedIn, it says happy corporate employee, right? But what he's done is he's figured out how to move over into Europe, learn how to speak over five, I think it might be over five languages. I know it's at least five languages and create a life where he's able to invest in the US while living in Europe. So you guys are in for an action-packed episode. Billy, these people are gonna love what you have to say. What's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Wow. Um, so you, that's a lot of, that's a lot going on, man. Right from the, right from the very beginning. I love it. I'm ready to rock and roll. Um, yeah. Best way to get in touch uh, with me is, is through just like you just mentioned, man, it's through LinkedIn. I'm sure we'll talk about some other ways too, depending on whether someone is really, really hyper and wants to talk. I've got ways to, you can get in touch there. And if you just want to kind of go to billykeels.com, you can find out a little bit more about what we're doing, but uh, we will, uh, we'll share some more of that as well, man. Got a couple books and things like that. So I'm ready to rock, man. Let's talk. For sure. So I'm taking a pivot on the podcast. I haven't really talked about the red pill a lot. It's our model for a centered life. There's six layers, self-image, relationship, career or work, prosperity, significance, right? I might've missed one. Let me go back to a self-image relationships, career, health, prosperity, significance. And everybody works through these. And we're going to unpack Billy's story. And you're going to see how this worked for him. And so, Billy, you made a trip overseas when you were younger. And I feel like you didn't talk to any of the people that were around the first go around. Talk to us a little bit about how the guy who grew up in Ohio now lives in Barcelona, Spain. Yeah, man. So this is, um, that's, that's, that's good work, man. That's good work. So, so yeah, back in 1995, I had a, uh, I had a chance to, to, to live overseas. I was actually, I was going to school in Miami of Ohio and Oxford, Ohio, Southwest Ohio. I'm a, I'm a guy from Ohio. I thought my life was going to be 
all about Ohio. Thought I was going to work at Procter and Gamble and all that kind of stuff. And they didn't want me twice, thankfully, because uh, that changed the whole trajectory of my life. And, and instead of going to Puebla, Mexico, I went to Valencia, Spain in 1995. And I really said to myself, I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn Spanish. I wanted to come back after three months and be fluent. I was going to be fluent, man, after three months. And I remember getting off of the plane in September of 1995, get down off of the, off of the bus. Like we traveled from JFK to Madrid, Madrid to Valencia on these flights. And then we get to Valencia and we take a bus and it's super early in the morning and we get off. And, and I remember getting off the bus and I spoke Spanish. I got good grades in college and high school and stuff. And as I got off the, the, the bus, there's this lady, the Spanish lady, like waiting to, with open arms and and it just freaked me out because I realized, oh my gosh, I don't understand a word this lady's saying. I feel uncomfortable. I feel stupid. Blah, blah, blah. Short story long. No, long story short. Over three months, I took the easy way out. And I said, you know what? I felt uncomfortable. I didn't like feeling stupid. I didn't like having the words here, but they weren't coming out right. The conjugations weren't happening. And so I, I took the easy path, man. I just hung out with Americans the majority of the time. Uh, on the weekends when they were traveling, I would kind of just hang out in Valencia because I didn't have the cash to really be traveling all over the place. And then after three months, Jerome, I realized I was like, oh my gosh, man, I saved up all this money because I had to work hard. Like my parents couldn't afford to send me overseas. Like I got scholarships and, and, and saved money. When that all happened, I realized, man, I, I worked so hard and I didn't actually come back speaking any Spanish because I was afraid to make mistakes, to look stupid, to actually take in the culture, which is what I wanted to do. And so I told myself at that point in time in 1995, I said, Billy, if you ever get another opportunity to live overseas, you're not going to mess it up. Like you're going to make the most of it. And so as fortune, good fortune would have it. After that, I went back to, to college and, and I had this amazing job right after college. And I had a chance to work and travel throughout some 58 different countries. And that just exploded my mind, just like, boom. And so after that, I didn't see myself going back to a normal, quote unquote, nine to five job. And so I took a one year sabbatical and that was back in, in September of 2001, two weeks after 9-11. And I was supposed to move to Paris. I got accepted at a university called the Sorbonne or La Sorbonne, as they say. And I wanted to learn French language and culture. I wanted to learn how to salsa dance. Yes, I did say salsa dance. And I wanted to learn more about wine. And that was supposed to be one year. But I leaned into it so hard, man, that anytime I heard English, I just ran the other way because I didn't want to make the same mistake that I'd made in 1995. And I met people and I challenged myself and I looked stupid and I was conjugating things that didn't sound right. I sat at dinner parties, lunch parties, everybody's laughing. I didn't understand anything. Uh, and one thing led to the next, but I loved it so much and broke through that frustration, broke through that fear, broke through those pain, that pain of, I know it's like crying in my 19 square meter studio in the center of Paris. Cause I couldn't really figure out how to get my utilities fixed, but that really changed my whole life, man. So I was fortunate enough. I'd levered some of the relationships um, that I had, or people were fortunate enough to take my calls. Um, the people I met there in those five years, 58 countries, I left Paris, moved down to a town called Montpellier uh, down in the South. I uh, ended up then meeting a, a Spanish girl, uh, left, moved to Italy to start up a sales team there for the company I was working for, moved back to France, moved to Spain in 2005. And I've been here ever since, got married, two kids. And so that's really kind of what happened, man. And it started from kind of the, the not, not getting things right the first time and not being afraid to make more mistakes and lean into it. And it's turned into 20-year expedition, 20-year, one-year sabbatical, man. <laughs> What in the world? So how, <laughs> I, 
what gave you the courage to go the first time? Right. I mean, you, you go from I'm hanging out, getting good grades in school to I'm out of here. Had you traveled a lot with your family? No, 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 no. We hadn't done any of that, man. I, I didn't even have a passport. But I remember I had a really amazing teacher. And I'm going to give some shouts out to Melanie Zigner, Ziegler, amazing professor in college, man. I'd, I'd taken some Spanish in undergrad just because I needed to. I'd gotten really good grades in high school and I needed to fill some hours and credits and stuff. And so I was in this class and she noticed that I had a talent that I was not really taking maximum advantage of. And so she literally stopped me after class. Like, Hey, listen, she talked to me, asked me what I was doing, how I was doing this and that. And, and she's the one that planted the seed. Hey, have you ever thought about actually perfecting your language and learning more? And I see you have a real talent for this. And I was like, ah, whatever, you know, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. And she was persistent and Eventually, I was like, you know what? Why not? Never thought about it. She seems to re- recognize that something's here, and I didn't see it. And yeah, I was crazy enough to actually listen to her. Her thing was she wanted there was a program in Puebla, Mexico, or Puebla, Puebla, Mexico, and I thought that's where I was going to go. But then once I realized, like, if I'm going to do this, well, I'm not just going to go to Mexico. I'm going to, I'm going to go like far away. And so, without really giving it much thought, I got accepted to a program through the University of Virginia. And went to Valencia, Spain. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Was not, wasn't, it was definitely not on the radar, man. Not on the radar. So the teacher starts you on this path, exposes you, kind of opens your eyes to what's possible. And then you get across the pond. You don't really understand the language. I mean, you understand it, but trying to communicate is pretty difficult. Who showed up to help you along the way? We're getting into the relationships now because this is totally different. You're a fish out of water, I think. Yeah, 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 completely out of water. And so I had a I had a roommate, uh, this guy named David, and you know we spared we shared a lot of time just talking and and stuff like that. And the the real relationships there were one. I, I did end up meeting some people there uh, just because I, I do like talking to people and meeting people and stuff like that and and ended up meeting uh, a group of people. We did language exchange, right? But I never felt really comfortable <laughs> because I, I, I knew the words. If I got all day, I could conjugate it. I got A's on my tests, but I needed to be able to make mistakes and do it in a place that was safe environment. So I ended, I did end up meeting um, like a, David and I met another group um, and we had a language exchange. And so these were the, the, the ladies that we met, we did this language exchange and they ended up meeting our host family and stuff like that. So I felt a little bit more comfortable with, I, you know, it was a language exchange where we met like once a week or twice a week or something like that. But those were the relationships that helped me kind of get into the local culture. But I still, if I look back on it, Jerome, like I didn't allow myself to really build relationships because I was too afraid. But what that helped me do in 2001 was realized that I had to rely on other people. I had to meet other people that were different than me, that had a different background than I had because I didn't want to make a mistake the second time. And when I say make a mistake, meaning I didn't want to give, I didn't want to lose the opportunity to meet and learn about local, uh, local customs, local language and things like that. So, so the relationships that I didn't make in 1995, really helped me to be more curious and and seek out new relationships in 2001 up, up until this this date. Hopefully that makes sense. 
it makes complete sense, right? And the thing that really stands out is that letting go, right? When we're comfortable, when we're in our own spot, we can puff out our chest and say, look, I, I don't need anybody, right? I got this. And you're in this space, you're like, I need some people and I need them quick because I'm going to be in trouble if I don't. So what, what I haven't ever asked, but I think it's going to be pretty interesting is you leaving and, and changing so much has put you in a spot where you probably lost some relationships that were pretty important to you because of the lack of proximity. So were there some like deliberate choices that you had to make relationship wise when you made this transition that uh, made a big impact on your world? Uh, at the time, yes. But looking back on it, it was just part of what was going to happen. Right. At the time, like, I guess because I'd been working and traveling in those five years, 58 countries, it was like, I was always traveling 25 to 28 days a month. So I just got used to meeting people, hanging out. Maybe I'll be back. Maybe I won't. And that became part of what was happening in my mind and, and, and then throughout my being, right? It was just quick relationships, boom, 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 boom. And so when I made that leap, leaving the U.S. to move to Paris, I think the biggest one at the time, I, at the time I had a girlfriend, but that was, I mean, that was just, a, that was a matter of time because I, I, the, once I realized that I didn't want to go back, it was something that ended, right? At the same time, uh, the relationships that have withstood the t the test of time are the ones that I that I cherish the most. Like I, I I never felt like like I had to not be in touch with people. Um, I do remember my dad telling me on on the day we we're at JFK. I remember him saying, and I thought it was like, ah, Dad, you're, you don't you don't know what you're talking about. He just looked at me and he said, "Son, you realize you're not coming back, right?" And I said man, I'll be back in a year, man. <laughs> I'll be back in a year. And he's right. Like I have not been back. That's been 20 years ago, man. 20 years. It will be in September of this year um, that I've actually been living outside of the United States and the relationships that, that I've had from back home, the ones that were supposed to last have continued to last some that lost their way have been rekindled thanks to technology. And I guess the ones that really didn't, they just felt good in the moment, but they weren't going to go beyond that. Just, you know, I guess they've kind of fizzled out, but uh, I, tr I try not to think about that too, too terribly much. Yeah. Well, I think what is important though, is you bring up this concept of people sometimes are in your life for a season. Well, I think everybody's in your life for a season, but that duration of the season changes and what you go through, whether it's spring, summer, winter, or fall, is some relationships just aren't meant for the whole time. And it's okay for some of them to end. I think a lot of people get caught up in this, oh, well, you know, we were friends in high school, so now we got to be friends as adults and we're on two totally different trajectories and we can't actually help each other right now. You know, that, that thing, I think, is something that keeps people in the box, that keeps them in the matrix. Yeah, actually, you know, one of the things, I, and, I, and I, I don't know how many of my friends from high school are still following or watching what's going on, but I mean, there are relationships because we, we fundamentally are living different lives. Like there's no point of reference. Like I don't talk about what I did in high school. I mean, there are some things that were really cool and I use it, but I don't still live in that moment in time. And so just because there's that lack of 
the day to day, like it's diff- it will be difficult. Like if I go to my 20, 30 year reunion, something like that, I'm sure we'll talk about those types of things, but it's kind of more of the question of like, what are you doing living over there? Like, <laughs> you know, it's usually, it's usually the types of questions that I get for people that I don't, or that I have not maintained contact with. And so now we're going to move into the career space. And this is usually where people have their red pill moment, Billy. And so the question that I have for you is when did you realize, like, I got to keep going. I, I can't go back to what it was. Like, this is when your eyes are open. You're like, this is different. And this is going to determine the rest of my life. Um, and so I want to make sure that I'm answering this because the, the whole career thing is for me, it's, it's also something that continues to evolve. It's something that's important. So do you mean, that I realized that career in a multinational is something that was important or career beyond the multinational is what is the most important in your life? The latter. Yeah. So um, as you mentioned earlier, uh, I consider myself someone who's very fortunate. Like I am someone who is a, a happy corporate employee by choice. And that's because I've made a lot of difficult choices and focused a lot of my time and energy outside of that to build my own dream. Because one of the things that I recognized when I lost, when I was doing what I was supposed to do as the good student and getting the good job, climbing the ladder and, and being able to then put my cash in someone else's hand. And I got hit once in 2000, I got hit again in 2008. And as my parents always said, you know, if it happens, shame, if it happened once, shame on them. If it happens twice, shame on you, meaning me. And so it happened twice. And that was the point that I realized I was like, I've got to take control of my financial life because this is not a formula that's going to work for me. What I didn't realize was me wanting to increase my own cash flow, because that's what it started out as. It's evolved since then, was going to turn into something so much more, right? And so when I started realizing that, wow, you know what? I've been doing this role in the corporate gig that I've actually enjoyed. I've been doing this stuff, but I actually found something that I can run towards. It's something that I'm using a lot of the same skill set that I've used to help me be successful in this corporate environment for over 20 years. I'm actually pivoting, realizing that, you know what? Focusing on my family my life, our well-being is something that is going to pay dividends forever. And then to go beyond that and say, hey, listen, we're not only this, but now there are people that we know, like, love, and trust that want to find out more about what Billy's doing. And so I'm still using the same skill set, the same things that I've learned from the corporate, and I'm using them in an environment that makes sense for my family, myself, our investors, our students. And so you start to realize that, wow, you know what? I can do so many different things. And it's not tied to the promotion. It's not tied to the role. It's not tied to the salary increase, right? Because you actually gain more control over your life. And kind of the moment that I realized that that was going to happen was on my oldest son's third birthday. I remember uh, this is late October and we're getting on a, like I have to get on a flight. He's turning three years old. I get up early in the morning just so that I could see him 
wake my wife up, wake our one-year-old up, give him a kiss. We have a birthday party, like open, he opens presents and I'm getting on a plane going to Frankfurt. I was like, no, this, this, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. It's absolutely not what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, you know, realizing that I had the freedom to make the choices I was performing. And then I started using all these same skills to, for the, for the impact on like the people that I was telling you before. Um, that was just, that was the, that was the moment that I realized things that had to change. And, and since then I've just continued to, you know, be doing multiple things, right. And focusing more time, more energy on building this dream that is also impacting other people's lives that I know, like love and trust. Hopefully that, I don't know if that answers it exactly, but hopefully. What's up, tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. That's absolutely the moment. The moment is when you left, you close the door, going to the airport on your son's birthday, and you're like, no, this isn't it. And I've got to create a plan to make sure that this doesn't happen again, because if I'm not here for the most important moments, and it's really interesting because a lot of people who are successful, right, successful in air quotes, don't prioritize their family over their business. And you said, no, my family is a higher priority, but my actions aren't showing that, right? That's the light switch. That's the light bulb. Like, oh, but I got to go do this thing because I'm doing it for somebody else and I'm building it for somebody else too. So let me go build my own. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that there, but I didn't want the listeners to miss that. So give me, give me three of the smaller challenges that you face on this journey and how you overcame them because Building your own thing while performing at a high level is, is tough. The number one challenge was just fear. There has been fear up until not too long ago, right? It was, it, was, it was fear, but fear of other people judging me. And I say other people meaning that are at the corporate where I work, right? That they're going to judge me because I'm in a high performance role and a high paid salary role. And I used to think, well, oh my gosh, well, what are people going to think if they actually know that I'm building my own dream, like that I'm investing in real assets and I'm doing it from Spain and doing that back in the United States. And will they think that I'm not as dedicated to this? And so for a long time, it kept me really small, Jerome. Like I didn't tell anybody because I was afraid to tell people because I didn't want them to judge me. I didn't want them to think he's not really focused on this. He's not focused on that. And so what did I do <laughs> to break through that fear? It took me a while, right? But I had a, um, a mentor of mine said, well, look, if you want to actually share more about what you're doing, then you should start using social media and stuff. And if you go back, you can go many years back. I used to put things on, on, on Facebook every once in a while and be these little motivational things. And that was like my way of uh, getting out there and starting to at least share. I wasn't talking about what I was doing, but I was at least like putting things out there. Right. And, and people would start to see. So I actually started taking action that way. And I mean, it's since then, I mean, I'm happy. I, like I, I enjoy talking and telling people like you can work at a corporate job. And at the same time, you can be building your dream. <laughs> people care about results provided that you give results. You can do 
the things that you need to be able to do, right? And if you can't, then, well, then you've got to figure out what's the best path for yourself. So the first thing I would say, uh, without a doubt, is is fear. And, and I broke through that fear just by getting out and telling people and sharing with people. And it's interesting what happens when you break through that fear. Actually now, and I probably pe- many people wouldn't say that, but it's amazing the number of people that are actually asking me now what it is that I'm doing and how they believe that I would be able to help them. And so sometimes if you're in your own mind and you're in your own way, there's some really cool things waiting for you on the other side when you break through that fear. Um, I would just say to, to, to anyone, uh, number one. Second thing is the, the other challenge was paralysis analysis, right? Because I'm a recovering perfectionist, man. Got to get grades in school. And so sometimes when you want all of the, <laughs> all of the red lights or all of the lights to be green, Well, they're never all green. (laughs) So you're kind of holding yourself back because you're trying to figure everything, every single thing out. And that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to know every single part of everything because that's what I'd always done. And that's even when I was managing teams or leading teams, excuse me, managing businesses, leading teams. And so what did I do there? Well, it was a matter of starting before I was ready. Like, Eventually I was buying properties and one of the make biggest challenges by sometimes going faster than not getting everything done was it cost me about 25 grand because I didn't read an inspection report. <laughs> um, I, I will never do that again. If I'm going to get the inspection report, guess what? I'm going to read through it because <laughs> that didn't feel nice. But yeah, so that's what I did to kind of break through that paralysis analysis. And, and the third thing is, is something that I'm actually working on right now. There's a challenge to scale. The, the challenge to scale is right now, as I'm a happy employee and I love what I do outside of the corporate, right? Is being able to scale, being able to help more people, right? Because there are a lot of people that are out there that are, that are like me, and people think, well, yeah, you're, you're fine. You're, you're working in a really big corporation. Um, you're earning a great salary. And sometimes you just need to be able to get in touch with that person and say, hey, look, you know what? You don't have to just keep working more and more and more and more and missing your children's ballet recitals or their soccer matches or basketball games. Or you don't have to not be able to take your spouse, your loved one to whatever it is you said you were going to do, there are actually ways to be able to do that. And so right now, what I'm working on is actually making sure that I have the right who on my team to help me to scale effectively, right? And that, that, that third point is something that's a work in progress, but we're getting better at it. We still have some work to do, um, but we need to be able to, to scale, to be able to reach those people who are highway journeys that are, that are struggling right now because they have to find a better way. They have to find a different way where they can have more control over their financial life so that they can have the freedom of time to be able to do the things that they really want to do. Um, but that third one's still a work in progress. Well, and I think it always will be because you are a grower. You've been growing businesses your entire career, and that's why you're in the role you're in in corporate. And so let's see if we can scale for yourself. I know that you can. It's just a matter of the universe catching up with you. And so I'm going to shift from the really positive thing to a little bit of pain. You know, was there a point when everything was on the line? Did you have like this rock bottom moment on this journey? I don't know if it was absolutely rock bottom, um, but there have been there have been moments where there's strain in the relationships. Right. Or that I'm too focused on 
well, I'm not focused enough on, uh, on my wife or not focused enough on my kids or on being able to call my parents. There's a balance, right? Cause when you're moving towards something that you think that you love, there is a tendency for those of us that are that way that we just go all in is that we can forget about that little smile, that little hug, that one hour without doing anything else. Right. And so when I've lost my way, it's always nice to get those reminders. And those reminders come from my wife, from my kids, from my mom, from my dad. Well, not my dad so much. He usually lets me go, but, uh, but, but everybody else. And, and they remind me. And, and it's those moments, Jerome, where I do, I've, I feel like, man, I'm doing all this stuff because I actually want to have more time to spend with you and do this. And I'm doing my, my actions. I love what you said earlier. Like my actions were completely the opposite. And when there's that misalignment, it causes me pain. So I know it's causing the people that I love pain. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's rock bottom, but it's just these kind of like these reminders that are like, Billy, you you gotta, you gotta wake up, man. Cause you're, you're doing this so that you, you can spend the time, create the experiences with the people that you love the most. So, yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal answer, Billy. And so let's move into the health. Cause I mean, performing at such a high level, you got to be doing some things to keep your your body and your mental together. Do you have any routines related to health that you'd be willing to share with the listeners? Yeah, sure, man. I am a big believer about, I think it's maybe three or four years ago, I read a book by Hal Elrod, uh, The Miracle Morning. And so I am a big believer in savers. I, like in this room where I am now, I usually, I start my day here. It's It's like very important. Like I don't sleep very much anyway, but the few hours that I do sleep, I, I like I'm a very, very deep sleeper. But most importantly, like when I start the day, I need that first hour or so for myself. Like I don't want to see anybody. It's not that I can't, but when I'm in the zone, I want to get up. I just want that silence in the morning. I meditate, right? I'm going to get my meditation in. And it could be as like as quick as like four or five minutes up to half an hour. Right. I'm not someone who's learned how to really do the long meditations yet. Then after that, I, I want to talk to myself about the things that are positive. I'm affirming my day. Boom, 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 boom. Like I'm going right at it. And then I've got this, I've got a, I don't know if you can see it. Well, I don't have it here on my phone, but I have a, um, I visualize, I think about the things that I want to become like the things that I want to do and the things that I want to have every single morning. I look at it. Boom. It's right in front of me. Then I do a couple push-ups, sit-ups, and then mornings like today, I go out and I run half an hour, 45 minutes in the morning. I also make sure that I'm, I'm reading. I'm actually reading two books right now. One's uh, Free to Focus and the other is uh, Halftime. So I'm reading those two books right now. And, and I also scribe or I write in the morning and just leave things, my thoughts and my journals. And it's really interesting to actually go back and look and see what I've been writing. Like if I looked three years ago, kind of where I was, where my mind was, where my thoughts were a year ago, six months ago, it's this constant evolution. So being able to start my morning that way is something that's important, not just from a mental perspective, but also from a, from a physical perspective. And I, I do, my goal is to get out and do cardio uh, three to four days a week. Uh, Cause I've got a kind of a bad back here, but, uh, but yeah, so hopefully that, that answers what you're looking for. And that's outstanding, right? That, that ritual in the morning just gets everything off. And I, maybe this is for you too. If you don't do your morning ritual, does your day feel a little wobbly, a little unbalanced? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. 
Yes. And some people say a whole hour. You're spending an hour on yourself in the morning. You- if I don't spend that hour in the morning, it's just bad for everybody because I'm not on my game. And if I'm not on my game, then I, I can't be the best Billy possible. Right. And at this point in life, I, I, I'm not disturbing anybody. It's great because I can get so much done and it's literally just me. Like I'm not doing anything. I'm not brain powering. I'm not thinking. It's just me. And, 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 and I want that, right? That's what I want. And, and I'm willing to make the sacrifice to, to, to get up. I, fortunately, I don't have an alarm clock. My body just wakes. I just wake up. I haven't had an alarm clock and I don't know how long. Yeah. It's, it's something that I want, something I need every once in a while. I don't. And, you know, depends if, if my kids are hanging out with me first thing in the morning, that's okay. Sometimes that's, uh, that doesn't, I don't, it doesn't then distort my whole morning, but I definitely notice the difference just internally if I don't start my, my day out that way versus when I do. Yeah. I call it getting centered. You come with the balance and then you go off and do the things. All right. So let's talk about a little bit of prosperity, man. This is the reward for the arduous journey you've been on. Like how, Talk about like the things that you value most and prosperity doesn't have to be resources like money or property, but like, what's the reward for all the, what I call sacrifice that you've made over this time? Right now is, is, is no, well, I, I feel fortunate, like a couple, a lot of things come to my mind. Like the fact that, um, that my wife and kids tell me consistently that they love me, that helps me to know that something I'm doing right. And that for me is, is fulfilling. Um, I'm still demanding. I know that I can do more. Uh, the fact that I have the, the love of my parents, that I have both of my parents here, my stepmom, that they get that love and my brother and sister, that they give that uh, love to me as well. I mean, that for me is, it's huge. It's huge because at the end of the day, it's like, that's really what it's about. Um, because the, the financial aspect, and I don't say this lightly because I know what it's like to live with no financial resources, or at least you think that way, you, once you realize how the game works, then you're not as focused on that part. And you're more for, focused on like, what are, what are the experiences and what are the things that can happen that, that we shouldn't take for granted? So, so just the, the love and the input that I get from my wife, kids, my, my brother and sister, my mom and dad, and, and my stepmom, those to me are things that are amazing. The fact that I'm able to live a life based on the choices that I want to make and it's not, I don't feel the, that I have to do anything. Like I'm doing the things because I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed. I've worked really hard to be able to, to, to make choices. Right. And that, that's something that I think it's easy to forget or to not really think about that much. But I, I yeah, I mean, I just, the fact that I can, I can make choices in my life is I feel super fortunate um, about that. So those are the things that come to the top of my mind in terms of uh, prosperity. Yeah. 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 I mean, the thing that I always look for when I talk to people is consistency, right? And we think about your red pill moment, what you didn't say, but you just said in this answer right here is when I walked out that door on his third birthday, I didn't feel like I was acting in love. Now, sure. I woke him up, we opened the presents, but we were modifying it instead of letting him have his moment. Right. And so now I'm pivoting and making adjustments and my stated values is my family is the top priority. And so prosperity for me is receiving love from them. That's the ultimate compensation for you. 
that's beautiful, man. And I don't know a whole lot of men who are willing to, you know, get on a recording and say that, right? Because it's not typically, no, I, I, I got a Ferrari or, you know, I got this big house or whatever else. I, I talked to David Messler and he, he actually said those things when he was talking to his wife about why she should be happy. And he's like, you know, this big house is Ferrari. And he's like, in hindsight, I realized how silly that was. But in the moment, that's what was guiding me. And to your point about, hey, when you understand how the game is played, like all that stuff kind of goes by the wayside. And you realize like, this is what's really important. So this is what you should be paying attention to. Yeah. 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 No, so, it's, yeah, it's one of those things I just, yeah, I just, I, I'll, I'll share with you camera on, camera not on, you know, <laughs> it's just what's on my heart. Yeah. I mean, it's the authenticity of it. And that's why only certain people get to come on the Dreamcatchers podcast, those who are going to be real. And so, you know, as we, as we start winding this thing down, man, was there anything along the way to try to pull you back into that old way of thinking, that old frame? And if so, how'd you overcome it? Yeah. When you, when you make $25,000 mistakes, when you're getting started in real estate, that's one of the things where you think to yourself, well, why am I actually, why am I, hang on, what am I doing again? <laughs> Should, shouldn't I just stay here and do what I've been doing? That was, that was a, um, that was a, that was a real learning moment. Uh, that was frustrating. And there are times when I want to, us to be going faster. I want us to be in a different place than we are. And then I have to take, I have to kind of take a step back and say, look, I've made some decisions that are, if I change some decisions, if I stop doing certain things, right? I think you understand what I'm talking about. Then it will allow me to do more time and more energy scale faster, right? And so sometimes I sit back and I, and I, and I think about those things. One's very just concrete, factual. You lose 25 grand because you didn't read or interpret or take the time to actually do something about what you read or you just glanced over it that's something that can make you want to go back and, and just stay doing what you've been doing. And then when you want to be going faster or you want your team to be scaling faster or in a more efficient way, and, and you're part of the reason that that's not ha- that not moving, yeah, that can be frustrating. It's just a matter of, at, at this point, when it's in your mind, it's just a matter of how do I dedicate more time to make sure that we get to the right um, position? And, and more importantly, how do we get the right people on board that can make sure that we're moving uh, in the right direction. So, uh, those things pulling back, I guess at a, on a personal level, but I've never really thought about not being here or not, or, you know, going back uh, stateside or any of that kind of stuff, because I've, you know, although there, there are moments where I probably more early on where I was frustrated just at a personal level, because I wasn't wanting to understand the local norms and the local way of doing things. I wanted the local way of doing things to be my way of doing things, which is where I came from. And once you get through that, you recognize that, you know, that's just kind of a twisted way of thinking. And so I kind of got out of my own way and there hasn't really been anything other than those kind of maybe two examples where, uh, you know, they've tried to bring me back in tried to pull me back in or put that doubt in my mind to say, Oof, this is a little bit too much. Why don't I just stay here where I'm cozy and comfort? Um, no, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. I love it. The clarity there, man. I mean, you, you thought through all that stuff pretty deeply. So maybe that's just this time in the morning during the savers. Okay. So 
you know, we're down to the final four, man. These are going to be rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap it up with, you know, well, I won't tell you the last question. We'll wrap it up. Well, here we go with the final four, man. What is the biggest difference in your approach to life today than before you took the red pill? Um, I'm, I'm not really afraid to get out there and, and, and say what I think or, 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 or especially to say what's on my heart. I'm not afraid to do that. I think before I was kind of don't not say the wrong thing. What are you most grateful for? The love that I receive from the people that, uh, that I, that, that I love, man. I just, I don't think there's anything more important, uh, than that. Just, just receiving that love. Cause it gives me a lot of energy and, um, yeah, that's the most important thing. What dream do you most focus on catching next? Being the, the next one is living between um, Europe and the United States, doing that when my family and I want to be doing that and uh, and being able to do that in a way that's impacting lives on both sides of the pond. That's what, yeah. And the final yeah. question in this significant rapid fire section is what gift are you giving the world? I think it's just being just being me, being honest and being somebody who is here to, yeah, just to give back. Been really blessed, man. Been really, really blessed. And I've realized now I'm at the point in my life where it's time to, to give back. And that includes um, love and time. I, I think that is absolutely true, Billy. And I'm going to love on you a little bit, man, because I just am absolutely blown away with your talent, your approach, and just the level of polish, man. Every time I see you, man, you look like you're fresh out of a photo shoot for a high fashion magazine. <laughs> and no, it's not a funny suits and funky, but it is like just super like put together. There you like, go. There man, you go. There you go. Like if I grow up. <laughs> Like, I'm like super wealthy. I want to be like Billy Kills, man. This is the way he shows up and the fluidity of it. Guys, if you're not listening to this thing on YouTube, you got to pull the video out on this one. I know most of the listeners on the podcast. You got to get on YouTube and check this guy out. He is. Check us out. Check us out. Check us out. But anyway, Billy, <laughs> come on, man. We know it's real. It's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure, man. That's a lot of pressure. If, if, if you would uh, allow me, and, and I know you want to wrap up uh, things, but so you and I, we, we've not known one another that long, right? But I continue to watch what you do. And, and what I appreciate about you, Jerome, is that you are very sincere in your approach. So we're here on the camera now, and it doesn't matter if the camera's on or the camera's off, like it's the same Jerome. And, and you are somebody who cares about and demonstrates connecting uh, people you're someone who is also not afraid to challenge people in order to make them better. And you are constantly looking to, 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 to bring people up. Uh, and I think to be able to do that is something that is, is, is really, really cool. And, ha and knowing about your story as well, that you've also recognized that you don't have to fit into some predefined kind of mold in order to be successful and being able to, to show that, demonstrate that to other people, lead by example uh, and not a, be afraid to lead by following uh, is something that I appreciate about you. I'm looking forward to actually being able to meet with you face to face at some point in time when we can kind of get out of this world, man. Um, but uh, but I, I but I do just want to let you know that I appreciate that about you um, and um, and you're going to keep going out there impacting so many lives, man. 
It's awesome. Billy, man, I'll send you the check, brother. I appreciate <laughs> you in so many lives. I don't want the check, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep doing more of what you're doing. <laughs> I, I, I sincerely appreciate it. And with that, I, I want to ask you the final question. It's our wrap-up question. What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? You know, if you've, if you've listened to this episode and you've been thinking to yourself that you want to do something that maybe the people that are around you don't think is the right thing for you to do, but you feel it in your gut in the same way that, you know, I was feeling really uncomfortable about leaving the United States, going to uh, Valencia, Spain. There was just, I didn't know what it was. And it wasn't like people were saying, go, go, go. Um, And when I needed help, people weren't able to help me financially. But if you've got it in your gut, if you've got it in your heart, if you've got it in your mind, even if nobody else around you thinks that you should be doing it, there's a reason that you have that feeling. There's a reason that you have that thought. And, and don't be afraid to, to follow it. You never know. Like I said, my one-year sabbaticals ended up being 20 years, number of different countries, great relationships. And there's a lot that can be waiting for you on the other side. So I would say, uh, yeah, just listen to yourself. Beautiful. Amazing way to wrap this episode up. Billy, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. And to the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.